Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Time Decisions presents the DFS Lineup Lock Hour, sponsored by DailyRoto.com. Baseball is back. Now, we gave you a single-game uh, lineup uh, last night, the showdown, but, hey, what are you, you going to do with that? Now, me and Cam uh, talked about these games from a betting perspective a little. We'll go over our best bets of the day to get back on track uh, here. It's actually been a very good baseball campaign uh, for us, one of our better baseball seasons, actually, and I actually uh, thank the DFS world uh, because of it. Uh, the DFS research... Um, that we put in has uh, really helped our baseball betting. I'll tell you, it's helped our baseball betting more than our DFS uh, betting. <laughs> we'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. Man, baseball DFS is a grind. Uh, but uh, we've got we got a CFL lineup uh, for you. We got a CFL showdown um, tonight, single game uh, flex. So it's very it's uh, it's interesting. How how do you want to approach it? Uh, right with the flex uh, situation. And when I say the flex situation, so basically. You can take both quarterbacks. I'll be interested to see if they do the same format in the National Football League. Uh, they did it last year in the single-game showdowns um, on DraftKings, uh, but they seem to have much more freedom now with the legalities, and uh, they're getting much more creative with their single-game options. Remember before you needed two games even. You know, that's different right now too, so uh, the times are changing. All right, so uh, we brought this up earlier. Let's jump in and talk a little baseball. From a DFS perspective, let's do a little uh, price check here, and I'll uh, share some of the players that I've isolated uh, for this evening. Trevor Bauer is sort of the it kid uh, tonight. $13,600, though. Trevor Bauer gets the uh, Texas Rangers. I'm going to the, the, put Bauer and the Tribe in a, in a parlay, but I'm kind of a contrarian when it comes to this stuff, and I just don't want to spend 13600 on a pitcher. Strasburg is 10300 against the Braves. Skaggs is at 9-4. Syndergaard is 9-3. Robbie Ray is 8-8. Kyle Gibson is 8-6. Rich Hill is 8-6. Arietta is 8-5. And to me, Arietta is somebody that's interesting. Pitching at home, uh, Philadelphia Phillies, a uh, very good baseball team right now. They get a, a San Diego Padre lineup that's not really scaring anybody. I think there's a perception that Arietta is struggling, and he was uh, struggling, uh, but the fact is, in his last two starts, going into the All Star break, uh, he won seven innings in each. He only gave up nine hits in fourteen uh, innings. Uh, he had eleven strikeouts in that span as well, and um, uh, he won. Uh, he won both those baseball games as well. He has uh, forty. 49 DK points his last two games, uh, 27 and 22 DK points for Jake Arietta at $8,500. So, you know, to me, I don't know. I'm looking at Arietta there. Uh, you got Dylan Bundy. He's 84. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel is interesting as well. 
Keuchel is not a guy that, um, you know, the strikeouts aren't going to be there, so people aren't, you know, I don't, he's never really heavily owned. Another guy, too, where the public perception is, hey, look, Keuchel has struggled this year. Keuchel's not the same guy. But uh, Keuchel's been on a little bit, uh, little bit of a run right now. He's rebounded uh, from the shaky uh, start. He's won three consecutive uh, starts. Keuchel has allowed three runs in the last 19 innings that he's been on a hill. So, you know, Dallas Keuchel, I'm not, I'm not opposed to anybody playing uh, Keuchel. Uh, here this evening, although I did not. <laughs> although I did not. My pitcher's here tonight, and like I said, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is the guy that everybody is, uh, you know, talking about that can't-miss guy tonight, but I'm mixing it up a little bit. So, look, Arietta, man, the guy was, uh, he was 0-4, all right? He, you know, he couldn't buy a win, man. Through a six-start uh, six stretch, he had an 0-4 record. But uh, we just talked about his last two starts. He's gone exactly seven innings in both 14 innings, 11 strikeouts, including three uh, three hit scoreless outing against uh, the Marlins uh, last weekend going into the final uh, weekend of play. He's been great at home uh, this year as well. 2.53 earned run average and nine starts at the sit, uh, Citizens uh, Bank Park. Here's another uh, nice little um, nice little fact to hear. Current San Diego Padres, just two for 27 against uh, Jake Arrieta. Now, you add all this up, and, you know, to me, for $8,500, seems like Arrieta is, uh, is not a bad play here tonight. Now, here's another pitcher that's on, you know, one of the best teams in baseball, and he's $8,000. And I'm talking about David Price. And here, here's another guy who, in his last start, gave us 25 DK points, and I was actually on him. I've been on the David Price bandwagon. I've been pretty good over the years of um, buying and selling David Price. I like him. I think he's a good pitcher. But when he struggles, he struggles. But right now, I think he's in his zone. And I think uh, I, I think he's going to have a strong second half to the season here as well. David Price struck out eight, gave up three runs over six and two-thirds against uh, the Blue Jays in his last start. Now, home runs have been a little bit of a problem uh, for him. Home runs have been a little bit of a problem for him. But that Detroit Tiger lineup's really not overwhelmingly scaring me uh, all that much. And I think Price now coming out of the All-Star break, he was talking about how, um, you know, he was looking forward to sort of uh, recharging uh, right now. So I'm expecting a big night from Price here tonight. Now, I want to make sure Pierce is in the lineup. And uh, Pierce has been uh, Pierce has been great since being acquired by the uh, by the Boston Red Sox from the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, Pierce is in the lineup. Pierce is in the lineup. All right. So if you're wondering about Pierce, Pierce is good to go tonight, and he is starting. All right. So since he's been traded from the Blue Jays to the Red Sox. He's hitting 409. I don't know. Is that good? Uh, I think it is, right? In the month of July, he's hitting 409 with a home run. But he got traded like on the 29th or something like that. So basically, you know, the games that he's played, just 409, a home run, and five RBIs in the in the month of July. He's really fit into that uh, lineup nicely. And um, he is in the lineup here this evening. 
Now, I sort of had a, a punt play here at second base in Eric Gonzalez of the uh, Cleveland Indians, but Gonzalez is a scratch. That's what we always tell you in these uh, my bookie uh, spots. Tired of the late scratches. <laughs> There's the late scratch. And you know what sucks about this? I, you box yourself in in situations like this because he was a punt play at 3600 bucks. So now I got to force myself into another punt play because I don't want my entire rest of my lineup just to fall apart here. And I see I've got another guy that's actually out tonight. She's freaking great. All right, let's just go with Alan Hansen. Alan Hansen, usually when I take Hansen, he's he's pretty good to me. It's a it's a punt play situation here. All right, so I was gonna go with Gonzalez, but uh, Hansen's in now. All right, uh, Ramirez. You know everybody. You know, you know people talk about Mike Trout. As the best player in the game. Mike Trout's great. You look at all the attention of Bryce Harper gets. Mookie Betts is having a hell of a season as well. But, you know, Jose Ramirez, man, the numbers that this guy puts up that no one really talks about. I don't know. Like, is, does everyone talk about this guy and I'm not hearing him talk about him? You know, he's just sort of generic. He's just sort of like, I don't know, they have that Ramirez guy on Cleveland. But uh, that Ramirez guy on Cleveland is it's freaking unbelievable. His war is a 6.5. His OPS is over 1,000. <laughs> He's got uh, 29 uh, home runs. His walk rate is 14%. He only strikes out 11% of the time. I'm looking at stats of him compared here. It was a Daily Fantasy Sports had a, had, you know, a comparison between him, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, his numbers. And, uh, you know, it really is unbelievable. And same thing with J.D. Martinez. I mean, J.D. Martinez might be the most viable player in the league. But, uh, see, I, you know, Ramirez is one of our high-ticket items here that we're going with. Jose Ramirez. Uh, Gene Segura. Gene Segura is a guy that also just sort of flies under the radar. You know, the fantasy production, I guess, you know, is, you know there's not a ton of power here. But at $4,300, I think that Segura is in a good spot here tonight against Shields. We saw Segura go deep in the All-Star game, too. I like the fact that he's been active, too, so he hasn't been off in this time. Similar situation with uh, J.D. Martinez. Uh, you know, we talk about Ramirez's numbers. J.D. Martinez, just on another level. Boston, to me, are the team to beat in the American League. I think we're looking at a Boston Red Sox. Los Angeles Dodger World Series. T- to me, they, I don't know, there's not a ton of drama in this. It's either going to be the Cubs or it's going to be the Dodgers out of the National League. And I like to think it's going to be the Dodgers. And, um, you know, the American League, listen, it could be the Houston Astros, too. So I think it's either the Astros uh, or the uh, the Red Sox. And you can't discount the Yankees, but once they get to the playoffs, I'm not overly in love with the Yankees pitching, number one. And number two, I'm not overly in love with the Yankee bats in the playoffs. It's one thing to live by the home run and live by the long ball in the regular season, and it's fine. All right? You know, you're, 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 you're batting against a lot of subpar pitching. When you get into the playoffs, suddenly pretty much, you're, you know, you got top-notch pitchers uh, all the time. It's harder to hit home runs off these guys, not to mention the weather changes. All right? The ball doesn't travel as much. Now, with global warming, 
the weather patterns have changed, right? I mean, look, we're playing Super Bowls outside now and on the East Coast, and you can do it. I mean, if anybody doesn't think the weather it, that the it's you know the weather is changing, you're an idiot. Now, I'm not here to discuss. I'm not pulling Al Gore here, though. <laughs> I'm not pulling an Al Gore, and oh, this is why it's happening. I don't know why it's happening, but you know, what one thing I can tell you is happening is it's getting warmer. I saw a thing the other day. They were saying in 2050 it's going to be hotter in Vancouver than it is in San Diego. Like, Vancouver continuously gets warmer and warmer. And it's funny, too, because it makes it a better place to live, but I guess it's also going to kill you. The irony is thick. So, yeah, that's my whole thing, though. Just like so in the playoffs when it's October and it's late October and it's cold out and you got these aces on the hill. Balls aren't flying out of the park, man, like they are, all right, in a, in a humid day in Texas. Or, ooh, you, you know, you went, the, you hit two home runs against uh, against the Blue Jays, you know, in July, et cetera. It's just it's not the same. So I, I, I like teams that can manufacture runs that don't just seemingly rely only on home runs. And, you know, I, I don't know, am I discounting the Cleveland Indians? Because the Indians, to me, in a regular season, are kind of underachievers, but... They are, a, they, you know, they're a bitch to deal with in a shortened playoff series because of their pitching that they have. All right, so we're going with J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is just a freaking monster. It's unbelievable what this guy's done. Yeah, yeah, what do you want me to say? There's not much to say about him. But uh, J.D. Martinez, we talked about Ramirez with 29 home runs. He's tied with Martinez with 29 home runs. He's got 80 RBIs, all right? Is 80 RBIs, that's eight more than anybody else has. Man, he scored 72 runs. The all-star break here. He scored 72 runs. The Woba, 4-3-3. His ISO, 316. He gets Matt Boyd here this evening. Whatever, man. I take J.D. Martinez on a daily basis. Why wouldn't you? Here's a little bit of a, you know, we're rolling the dice here a little bit with Granderson. Uh, Granderson's got a nice hard hit rate uh, here against right-handers. He gets uh, Dylan Bundy here. Um, and I think uh, it's, you know, he's cheap. Granderson's cheap, and I think the Blue Jays are actually going to win this uh, this game tonight, too. I think Granderson uh, could have a nice night. Now, I was going to go with one last punt uh, pick here. I was going to go with... Uh, one last uh, punt uh, pick here in Jackie Bradley uh, Jr. But uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is out right now. I see Sean Engel is uh, ready to go. Sean Engel will join us after the break at uh, at 620. We'll jump into some NASCAR uh, DFS. So I got 3400 bucks left here. Man, am I ever sick of these late scratches? I can't do the lineup and do it on the fly, live on the air here with baseball. It's too hard to do that. I can do it with some other sports. but So I got to do these lineups earlier in the day, and I can never recall a baseball season with as many freaking late scratches and lineup changes as we've had this year. I'm like, man, is it annoying. I'm going to go with Kiki Hernandez here, $3,400. All right, uh, so we got Jake Arrieta. We got David Price. Elias Diaz, Elias Diaz here. I want to tell you about him. Diaz, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, as far as all the um, the uh, the projections go and the computers go, Diaz is the guy. Like it's it's he's like the number one catcher on the board here tonight. 
And it's not something I would have done without the computer here. So this is a computer, which in, in a computer and technology we trust, with uh, with Diaz thirty three hundred dollars. So our pitchers, Jake Arrieta, we got David Price, we got Diaz behind the plate, uh, we got Pierce at uh, first base, Hanson at second, Jose Ramirez. So basically we got uh, Ramirez and Martinez. We got two. You know, we got. Uh, 58 combined home runs, the two leading home run getters in Major League Baseball in our lineup here. But Jose Ramirez at third, Gene Segarra at short, J.D. Martinez in the outfield, Curtis Granderson in the outfield. And uh, because Jackie Bradley's out and uh, we're pressed for time here, we're going to go with Kiki Hernandez. We'll do some CFL later. I got a CFL um, CFL single-game showdown. We made money in the CFL this year on DraftKings here too. So we've got that. And uh, we're kicking the tires on an NASCAR lineup right now, but we got one of the best in the business. Uh, we got Daily Roto's Sean Engel ready to step up and in after the break. We'll take a look at uh, this New Hampshire race. We broke it down a little bit with Steve Merrill from a betting perspective. And whatever, man, it's the usual suspects as always, but there's a couple of interesting drivers, I think, that uh, are in the mid-tier price range on DraftKings that I look forward to throwing us Sean's way. Sean Engel joins us next. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. All right, we'll get back to some baseball talk. We got our best uh, bets of the day starting to uh, get dialed in here a little bit. So we got about five baseball plays here tonight. It's always tricky, though. I always warn people that it's tough betting on sports. You know, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the final, final games before an All-Star break and the first games out of the All-Star break. And the final games, they all have their, um, you know, their minds on their mini vacations. And the first game's out now, like, you know, these players have been taken out of the routine. And baseball is, uh, they're all creatures of habit, all right? We're creatures of habit as well. And over the last uh, month or so, or pretty much for the NASCAR uh, season, Sean Engel has been uh, stepping up and in to help us break uh, down the NASCAR scene from a DFS perspective. They're in New Hampshire uh, this week. Sean Engel steps up and in. What's going on, Sean? Always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? I'm doing very good today, Gabe. How are you doing today? Ready to cover the a, good old Magic Mile? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready to rock. I'm, I'm, in a, you know, I'm not going to say I'm in a good mood, Sean. I'm never like in a great mood, but I'm in a decent mood because I hit a nice golf parlay earlier in the day in, in the in the open. So yeah, I'm ready to uh, ready to play some NASCAR DFS and also bet uh, on this race as well. 
So it's an interesting, uh, interesting track uh, here when we look at, uh, you know, just the usual suspects, Kyle Busch, um, you know, Kevin Harvick is one here. Matt Kenseth has been successful here in the past, but Kyle Busch has been successful. Denny Hamlin is another guy. And it seems like uh, this week, the betting world and DFS world, it's sort of like, you know, pick which one of the, the big boys you want to take between Bush, Harvick, and Truex Jr. here. Yep, that is exactly how it is this week, and it just seems to be every week in and week out. It's always Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, and Kevin Harvick because <laughs> really, when you look at it, these three drivers have dominated most of the season, and it just continues each and every week. You look back at Kentucky, Truex basically dominated a good amount of the race there, so I don't see what else is going to be different while these three are still fast. Uh, we briefly mentioned this earlier, but... A track comparisons, if you're looking for data, you can take a look at what happens at Phoenix. And, you know, Richmond, and the Richmond's kind of unique, uh, but, you know, the data is sort of correlated uh, here. And, of course, Phoenix, Kevin Harvick absolutely owns Phoenix uh, all the time. But, you know, the correlation, so we mentioned the three, uh, you know, between Harvick, um, you know, Kyle Busch, and then you got Martin Truex Jr. But a common denominator, it seems to me, on these on these flat tracks or mile tracks, the two names that I see keep coming up all the time, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin, Sean. So, okay, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin I actually really like a lot for this week because he's one of the best all-time drivers in New Hampshire. He has three wins, 14 top tens, and he is the defending race winner. He's placed in the top 15 in each of the last six races at New Hampshire, and three of those were top tens. And, and you know what's interesting, too, Sean, from last year is yeah. that um, is that he didn't have a win until he won at New Hampshire. Similar situation this year. He hasn't won yet. He's come close. Maybe this is his first win again if it repeats, uh, history repeats. Yeah, this is definitely one of his best chances because the flat tracks play right into his driving style. He loves those shorter tracks and those that don't even have as much banking within the corners like New Hampshire just plays right into his hand. He just is really confident and he really loves this race. All right. Uh, so out of the big guys here, which is the one if you had to take one between Harvick Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, which uh, which driver would you take? Out of the three right now, my choice is Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has led the most laps in two of the last four New Hampshire races, and he's placed 12th or better in nine of the last 10. And Kyle Busch, out of the three so far, there's been one practice session that's uh, that's came and went so far. Busch was the fastest of the three. Interesting. So he's 11,000. $11,600 for Kyle Busch. Uh, we talk about Chase Elliott. He's $8,900. Um, Denny Hamlin, $10,000. Denny Hamlin's going to be right there in the mix. I, I, I like Hamlin here. A couple of guys that I, I put together here I was looking at was Kyle Busch, uh, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Eric Jones. Uh, what's your take on Eric Jones at uh, $8,200? So Jones is a driver that I actually really like for this week, not just because of the fact that he's been on a roll as far as top 10 finishes in which he's placed in the top 10 in the last four races this season, but also you look back towards his last start at New Hampshire, he finished sixth with Furniture Row Racing. He's in arguably better equipment this season, and again, 
He's just driving that 20 car, and who was the last person to win? Oh, yeah, it was Matt Kenseth driving that same 20 car that Eric Jones is driving now. Yeah, speaking of which, Matt Kenseth has a lot of nice numbers here in history here, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, he definitely does. And Matt Kenseth, I do like his experience, but the only problem with him is the car. The car, yeah, the car. You know, and he's three three-time winner here, guys. He's got 12 top fives here, 21 top tens. So, he, you know, he knows his way around this track. But as you stated, I mean, this this sport, I mean, your skill and know-how only goes so far, man. As you know, Sean, it's about the equipment, man. Oh, yeah, definitely so. And th those Roush cars just don't have this track figured out yet. And e even though Stenhouse and uh, Kenseth, they've been maybe, like, competing for, like, top 20 positions throughout most of the weeks this season, that's all you're going to get. There are some bargains even better than those guys that you can see with more speed and more power and a better chance of getting those precious fantasy points, too. So Jimmy Johnson's another guy similar to um, to Kenseth, although Jimmy pretty much has good numbers everywhere. Yet, um, you know, the wins are few and far between uh, right now for Jimmy Johnson. You know, he, ha he hasn't won yet. Uh, he hasn't won yet uh, this year. Do you, you know, is he ever going to, does he win a race again? Or is he no longer the dominant driver? I guess, you know, has time caught up? What's the deal with Jimmy Johnson? I do think as far as Jimmy Johnson goes, like I did say a few weeks back when we were talking about Johnson at another track, he's still sort of adjusting to the new Camaro ZL1 model that all the Chevrolet drivers have this season. So that is a part of it, but I also think at the same time, the competition has caught up with him a bit, and you still see it from those Toyota drivers and those Ford drivers that still keep winning most of these races throughout the season, too. Another guy, another older driver, that, or at least a driver that's been around a little while that um, has decent numbers here is Ryan Newman. Um, Ryan Newman, he's won here three times. He's finished in the top five seven times here. He's got 18 top tens here. So Ryan Newman's another guy with a nice track record, $7,900. Any opinion on Newman this week? So as far as Newman goes, I'm kind of in a wait-and-see approach with him because I want to figure out where he qualifies and how he does in the later practice sessions. Because his yeah. first practice session hasn't really impressed me that much. He was only 18th. But, but I do think, though, that he has, he has the capability of finishing pretty good based on experience alone. But it's just, again, maybe the car might not be up to snuff with where the statistics are. So got to wait and you see know, on that. You know, one thing is, though, and obviously the car is always going to be the factor, but I find with these sort of the short tracks and um, it sort of gives, it's, it, it equals the playing field a little bit at least. You don't have these monster straightaways where guys can really just air it out and you're just screwed. The horsepower is just, you, you can't keep up, you know, out of Charlotte or a Pocono or, or something like that. But on these shorter tracks, you know, that's why you notice sort of the better drivers and the older guys sort of seem to do well here on these short tracks. I think experience and just being a better driver comes into play here. I honestly do. While it certainly does, though, you still can't underestimate the fact that the car can also make an impact, too, because of those speeds. It's not just about getting around the corners, too, like on certain racetracks, say, you know, like uh, Martinsville or Sonoma, which are more considered like rhythm racetracks, as the drivers would call them. 
but here you actually got a bit more straightaway speed than some of those other shorter tracks. So it is also going to be about the acceleration part of these cars too and how fast they can get to those speeds that they can before they get into the corner and then set themselves up for passes. What about uh, what about uh, cheaper plays? So we talked about the bigger guys. You know, we talked about some of these, uh, the mid-tier dudes such as Jones. Maybe we can get into Amarola a little bit. Uh, but uh, what about uh, what about the cheap options? If you got to you got to squeeze one in, and can you win by putting two cheaper guys in, or can you can you only live with by doing one? Like, can you can you squeeze? Are you better off? Can you squeeze in, you know, two or three big names, and then try to squeeze in two risks, or are you just is it too much asking to do that? Well, I think it could work both ways, but if I had to choose one, I certainly would want more of the bigger guys this particular week. So. I'd say if you can, based on these bargain drivers, you can fit in two of those bargain drivers and still maybe get two of the big three in your lineup. And I've seen that a number of times on previous tracks, especially track types like this one, where the, that sort of strategy actually works out. And, and in mind, I do have two drivers that you can consider hardcore bargains that would fit the bill and still get you a decent finish. And those are Paul Menard and A.J. Allmendinger. Interesting. All right, let's see the prices here. I'm a big Paul Menard fan. I always love Menard. So talk to me about Menard. He's $6,600, Menard. So Menard, he's driving in with Wood Brothers Racing. As you know, they have that technical alliance with Penske Racing. And Penske's done pretty well at New Hampshire with a lot of top 10 finishes between Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano in particular. But Menard, he has finished in the top 20 in three of the last five New Hampshire races. And that was with Richard Childress Racing, who nowadays isn't doing as hot as Wood Brothers. And Wood Brothers, in their last New Hampshire start, finished ninth with Ryan Blaney. So I'm definitely liking Menard a lot this weekend. Out of those guys below 7,000, he was the fastest of them in first practice by being 13th quickest. I was looking even cheaper. What about Ty Dillon at $5,500? <laughs> It's Ty pretty Dillon cheap, is... man. Come on, it's pretty cheap shot for for Ty Dillon, and you know, basically with Ty Dillon, I, you know, he can give you a top twenty-five here for fifty-five hundred. Yeah, certainly possible, but you might also want to think of somebody like Bubba Wallace, who was faster in practice than Ty Dillon. All right, Bubba Wallace. So what about uh, here's another one too, fifty-seven hundred dollars in uh, in Chris Buescher. And let's see, finished in uh, top twenty-five in both the races here last year. Yeah, that's true. Busher is not a bad call, especially when his teammate, A.J. Allmendinger, has been doing solid in practice so far for the value. So you got to know, teammates can always switch notes between each other and always yep. be able to share their expertise and setups and strategies in order to actually make their cars better by the time the real race comes. So this could also play into a whole place differential sort of thing where, where uh, Busher might not qualify that well, but then gets a good setup by the time the race comes and he's going to shoot up into the top 20. Exactly. Exactly. It's tough to play before a guy we didn't talk about. Actually, he's $7,100. Uh, what do you think about uh, Daniel Suarez this week? I think Suarez is one of those guys we definitely have to watch as as uh, pre-race events progress further and further because yeah. he did finish in the top 10 in both races last year. And 
those times, he didn't look fast early on, but by the time the race get, got to its conclusion, he had decent cars. So that's something we definitely have to watch, especially as he could be a good place differential hole pick once again. All right, Clint Boyer, two-time winner at uh, New Hampshire, always a great uh, flat track uh, driver. It's a lot of choices this week. There's a lot of guys that have some nice numbers here. So when it's all said and done, it's always tough before you see the final, you know, the post position and the final practice and qualifying, et cetera. But who, you know, who are, is there any names that we didn't bring up right now in our final moments that, uh, you know, that you like that you wrote about? So uh, another two drivers that I do want to bring up are Ryan Blaney and Alex Bowman. Blaney oh, has yeah, already, yeah. already uh, been fast in practice. He was fifth fastest in first practice, and he did finish second last week at Kentucky, so he's ready to build some momentum. Definitely liking that so far this week. And then Alex Bowman. You mentioned about the whole Phoenix thing earlier. Can never forget about the time when Alex Bowman dominated most of that Phoenix race, subbing for Dale Earnhardt Jr. the year before he retired. So... Bowman has experience on these sorts of tracks, and his practice speed is looking pretty respectable, too, as he was eighth in first practice. So that's definitely one guy we are going to need to keep our eye on as pre-race events progress further. I think what Blaney is, man, I remember a couple of years ago when Blaney used to be cheap. Remember, he, he used to be in that $6,700 range and 6000 and stuff. I saw Blaney. I'm like, oh, he's $8,200. Like, uh, Blaney's climbing the ladder here, Sean. Yeah, that's exactly so, because, again, he did change teams since that whole time. He used to drive for yep. the Wood Brothers, and now he drives yep. for Penske, and Penske's one of the big boys of the sport. <laughs> yeah, Penske's uh, got a little more wood than wood, huh? <laughs> He's got more. <laughs> you can definitely Penske's, say that. Yeah, Penske's got a little more paper, I should say. He's got, he's got you know, more paper than wood, than wood racing. It's a good call there. All right, uh, so... For people uh, listening uh, right now, where can they find uh, your breakdowns uh, for the race uh, this week? So, for those that want to keep up with the latest on DFS NASCAR that I do, you got to keep an eye on DailyRoto.com. I'm going to have my preview up here pretty soon, and then there's going to be an update as pre-race events progress further. So, do keep an eye on that, because there's plenty of fun to be had going on and going soon. DailyRoto.com on the NASCAR page, and you know, guy we didn't before we got about a minute left here or so, uh, but a guy we didn't we didn't talk about is uh, Joey Logano um, at all. And, and what's your take on Joey this week? It seems, you know, you got all these other guys, and he's kind of pricey, so he's sort of out of the mix, isn't he? Or do you, do you have an opinion on him? With Logano, I'm taking more of a wait and see approach with him because his speed didn't impress me in first practice, but he does have good history here. Yeah, so we're talking about, um, you know, the, the, the current history here. Matt Kenseth, Kyle Busch, Daniel Suarez. Kyle Larson's a name we didn't talk about here. He's, he's, he's had a nice little run here in the last four races. Two oh, top yeah. fives. In fact, those top fives were both runner-up finishes, so he's definitely one we got to watch out for, especially because he was also second in first practice to Kyle Busch. And Larson's just been on the move and getting those better finishes and momentum, especially as the season progresses. And again, they've been figuring out that Camaro ZL1 model for the Chevy driver, so he's only going to get better from here. He's the, he's the uh, most expensive driver after the big three. He's like the fourth, uh, you know. He's he's at ninety nine hundred dollars. Kozlowski is ninety seven. 
Boyer, we mentioned, is 92. Jimmy Johnson, 87. Blaney, I said 82 for Blaney. My bad. It's 86, uh, actually. Kurt Busch, 85. Almarola. All right, now we really do have Almarola. So last driver, Almarola at $8,300. What, what was your take on him? Almarola, I'm definitely in a wait-and-see sort of approach. Again, kind of like Logano. Didn't impress me in first practice, but got to wait and see. Sean Engel. Great stuff, Sean. Enjoy the race. Thanks for the time. Thank you. You too. Sean Engel uh, with us. We give you our best bets of the day on the other side and more. Baseball is back full slate. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Time decisions. Red Heat Rage Radio. I have Gabriel Moretzi. Another week winding down. Nice way to wind down the week by hitting that golf uh, parlay. Plus 357. If you were listening to a Wednesday show, uh, we gave you the uh, to make the cut parlay eight players. I got to tell you, man, it, it was pretty stressful and it's kind of frustrating too because I don't get the golf channel, all right? I'm not paying extra for the golf channel. I don't watch, uh, like, um, I watch majors and stuff, but it's rarely not on anyways. But uh, it'll be on tonight uh, in the late night hours. That's one thing I liked about this. So, I, you know, and I had a hard time finding streams. I would find streams, but, you know, they were weird. I never knew who was who and stuff. Like, they were, <laughs> like, I was getting Sky Sports, and there was no play-by-play on some of them. It was just, you know, they were showing golfers out there. And I'm like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. Uh, but I knew who Patrick Reed was. Like, I know what he looks like. <laughs> but just by chance. So last, so yesterday, all the golfers were looking pretty good yesterday to make the cut. Except for Patrick Reed, who sucked yesterday. <coughs> Excuse me. Patrick Reed. <coughs> Patrick Reed was four. He was four over yesterday. So I knew that Patrick Reed didn't have a lot of room for error, man. All right. Coming into today. But I wasn't totally screwed. I was like, if he plays well, if he can, you know, two or three under today on the day, you know, I think, you know, we're going to be able to make the cut. And it's, that's what happened. So, but, I, you know, even Patrick Reed, I was worried about it. And even going into the 16th, 17th, and 18th holes, Patrick Reed couldn't, like, uh, if he had one bogey, we were done. All right? So my whole focus when I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, what about Patrick Reed? Patrick Reed. So I see Powell, I'm like, oh, Patrick Reed's doing all right. And then I look, and I'm like, oh, my God, Justin Rose is tanking. Now, Justin Rose has made 22 consecutive cuts. He's made 22 straight cuts. You know, like the announcer said. And it's funny because I couldn't find a stupid stream. So I'm just watching, like, updates, and I got the leaderboard on and, like, sort of live blogs. And I have, like, six websites open, but I don't have any video of the thing. And I got, like... You know, I'm sort out video, but it was freezing on me. And it, 
Finally, I found a new sports streaming site, um, allegedly. And uh, so I found a new site, and boom, I clicked in, and it came on right away. And just as I tune in, it's Justin Rose. And there it is. It's the 18th hole. And it was like, well, Justin Rose needs to get a birdie on this hole. Otherwise, he's not going to make the cut. And, you know, the announcer, or the, the analyst guy, it wasn't, I thought it was Faldo, but I doubt it was Faldo. Sounded like Faldo, though. Um, you know, he was talking about how much pressure there is, and he's been in this spot before, and it sucks, and, you know, you know you need a birdie, and it's not even to win. He's like, you know, if you need a birdie to win, you have that sort of excitement. But when you need a birdie, like, not to get kicked out of the tournament, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure. So... Justin Rose, man, just as I found, I was getting mad. I'm like, I got to find a stream to this. Boom, I get the stream in just as Justin Rose is basically on the green. And it was a tough putt, man, and he took a long time. And it was funny because you know, it was great commentary. He said, well, he said, if Justin Rose doesn't make this putt, he's getting the weekend off. And they said, he doesn't get a lot of weekends off. <laughs> you know, and they said 22 straight cuts, and – like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't miss a lot of cuts, this guy. And then, boom, he actually hit the putt. So, Justin Rose hits the putt. But then after that, I'm right back to Reed. Because Reed played well earlier in the day to get back into it. But he couldn't give it back. And as me and Cam talked about, the last, the last few holes are playing harder. This is when guys, like a lot of guys have had decent scores. And they get to 13, and it's a freaking train wreck from there on out. So... I'm worried about Reed, like, doing something dumb, like one mistake. So, basically, we won this parlay because of a, a putt that uh, that Rose hit. And it was tough for me to gauge how many feet it was, actually. So, if somebody knows, you can tell me. It was a tough putt. It was, like, it seemed like on a weird slant and stuff, too. So, uh, we you know, we would have lost. We don't hit that parlay if, if Rose doesn't hit that putt. And we don't hit this parlay if... If Patrick Reed gets one bogey in the last three holes, <laughs> like there was not a lot of room for error here. And I know a lot of you guys, like um, you know Mayo and Feinberg and Cam and uh, and uh, Spenny Mac, you know a lot a lot of guys out there. You guys are big golf bettors, y'all. You know you're used to this golf stuff. Listen, I've been betting on golf a long time, but I'm not used to the same flow as you guys are, and I find it a little frustrating. You know, I was basically, I was like, come on, man. Like, hurry up. <laughs> like, the last three holes for Reed, I couldn't see them. And I just kept getting any updates. And, you know, the golf score, like, leaderboard stuff, it's kind of crap, actually, in a sense. I was thinking, so they just tell you, you know, after the hole, okay, and it updates. And it says, oh, you don't need to refresh. It refreshes on its own. The thing is, though, they should tell you, like, all right, you know what I mean? He hit the first shot 280 yards down the middle. You know, because you don't know what's going on in the stupid holes until after. So I'm just sitting here, sitting, hitting refresh all day, earlier in the morning, and uh, boom. So we hit the parlay, which was nice. Now the key is not just to give uh, give it all back uh, right now. Now we've had a, we've been we've we've been uh, we've been pretty good recently, actually. You know, it's funny. I've been smart. You know, we've been pretty much smart gambling or whatever. I'm always going to be reckless, but. You know, we've had decent money management or at least an approach and sort of, you know, a plan, I should say. I sort of have, like, plans in what I'm doing now. Like, if you don't have a plan gambling, you can screw yourself. And I, I'm sort of realizing that as I get older. You really do need, like, objectives and goals. 
So, but the degenerate in me earlier in the week got the best of me. It was after the All-Star game, the baseball game. I had the American League. I had the uh, the under. I ended up losing a little bit. And instead of just, like, being, you know, accepting it and saying, all right, dude, you lost a couple of hundred bucks tonight, big deal. I was all pissed off about it. And I was saying there was nothing going on after the All-Star game. Like, literally nothing. So I started playing virtual soccer. All right? So I played virtual soccer, which is a pretty degenerate thing to do, but... I've actually done pretty well with the virtual soccer, believe it or not, <laughs> all right? So, but the thing is, I usually don't put, like, 100 bucks on virtual soccer games. Man, they last, like, 90 seconds, guys, all right? Like, they're, they're freaking fast. So, you know, when I, you know, when I do this, I started out, I'm like, oh, I'll put 10 bucks on it, you know? I sort of got up to 25 bucks a virtual game. But then there's been times where, you know, when I was drunk once, uh, two weeks ago, whatever, I started putting 50 and 100 on each virtual game. But the other night I wasn't drunk, and I, I did it. And I lost like six, you know, I bet like six virtual soccer games, and I think I lost four of them. I lost like $325 in, in like a six-minute span, essentially. <laughs> like Ten minutes type thing. You know, it was like, Quick, quick, like bang, 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 bang. It was like playing blackjack or something. And then you just, you know, you lose five hands in a row and you're done. So, you know, I lost that. And then I was so stupid. And then after that, there was like a stupid basketball game on from, I don't even know, it was like Lithuania or something. You know, and I mean, of course I knew nothing about the game. I ended up betting the stupid game. I thought it was a woman's game. It turns out it was a men's game. I bet the under 149 and a half. And, uh, of course, it gets to 150, 151, with, like, 17 seconds left. The team getting killed by, like, 20 Indonesia scores. That, that was it. So, long story short, I lost, like, $525 in, like, an hour span the other night after the All-Star game. And it really pissed me off because I've been smart, and it's a big setback. And um, basically, Lord Gamblor put me back back on track and I'm actually back up to even more to where I was when I screwed up. So it goes to show it's like a uh, lesson in life. You can screw up but you can you can make things better. <laughs> you can make you you can make things better if you keep a clear head. All right. So uh you know that's the you know so we got we got to back on on the golf uh today which is pretty nice. So now the, question, the key is not to just turn around and, and flip it and give it all the way back right now again, right? So looking at our plays here, Major League Baseball, and it's funny. I was just talking about betting $100 on virtual soccer games, but I'm not even going to bet $100 a baseball game tonight. It's the first games back, guys, after the All-Star break. Baseball players out of any players are like the biggest creatures of habit, along with golfers probably. I mean, man, baseball players, man, it, it, their routine gets thrown off with, like, a sneeze. Like, so you take these guys out of the element. Look, they've been playing baseball essentially every day since April the 1st. Since April the 1st, Major League Baseball teams, how many days have they had off? Like, four, five, four, like, one day? You know, basically every 18 days they'll get one day off. So it's just it's such it's so ingrained in their rhythm and the routine, the batting cage, the ballpark, pitching and fielding and just everything is so routine. You take them away from this for four or five days, 
And um, and look, so a lot of teams didn't play since last Sunday. You take these guys out, and you know you don't really know, man. Especially baseball, it's such a r- rhythmic type of sport. So we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna go lightly uh, tonight on a Major League Baseball board. But we talked about the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, Brewers uh, last year. I remember last year they were in a similar situation, guys. It's amazing how history repeats itself. Last year, the Milwaukee Brewers were in first place at the All-Star break, and I remember this vividly. And the, the Brewers were in first place at the All-Star break, and I remember seeing the odds to win a division. And it was like, man, the Milwaukee Brewers are plus 350 to win a division, and they got a five-game lead on the Chicago Cubs. I think they were up five or six games in first place. And I nearly fell for it. I remember Cam, actually, you know, I was like, you know, Marenzi, I usually I would fall for this, but I don't think it'll happen. I think the Cubs will probably just overtake them. And you know what happened? Basically, you know, it took about 10 days after the All-Star break, and the Cubs were in first place. Like, Milwaukee stumbled, man, out of the All-Star break. The Cubs went on a winning streak, and it was over. And then, boom, you know, Milwaukee fell short. Now, here we are again right now. The Chicago Cubs, they lost today, uh, the Cubs. But the Cubs are now 13-4 and uh, four in their last 17 baseball games. So the Cubs are 13-4 and four in their last 17 games. The Milwaukee Brewers are 0-6. Going into the All-Star break. Yes, you know, Deja as Yogi Berra State. This is deja vu all over again, isn't it? I mean, history is repeating itself. So it's a big weekend series right now for the Milwaukee Brewers, especially considering they're playing the Los Angeles Dodgers. And yes, Manny Machado will be in the lineup uh this evening. He's got the uh he's got the verified check mark on DraftKings next to him. So Manny Machado. In the lineup uh, here this evening for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Brewers, 0-6 in their last uh, six uh, baseball games. Now they have Manny Machado coming to town. I like the Dodgers tonight. I'm taking the Dodgers minus 140. I got the Dodgers minus 140. If you guys pay attention, and I know many of you do, because I know uh, many of you are sending me tweets, thanking me for the parlay that you tailed, so I'm sure you're going to think, oh, he's hot. I'm going to tail the baseball plays now, but... I like to take the, the favorite parlays in a night here. I mean, baseball, especially this year, the Boston Red Sox, you know, they win basically 70% of the time. And the Cleveland Indians are a little shakier, but the Cleveland Indians are in a good spot tonight with Trevor Bauer on the hill. So let's uh, money line parlay. Well, money line is baseball, but um, Red Sox and Indians. Now, no run lines or anything like that. Red Sox and Indians parlay. They both just need to win a baseball game. Plus 125. Generally, the Red Sox-Yankee parlay has been winning. I mean, look, they're both, you know, they win all the time. And, you you know, so you basically are getting two very good baseball teams, and it's plus money. I don't like laying juice, and I'm laying a little juice tonight in some of these games, but I think we're in good spots. But that'll be the plus money pick, the Red Sox and the Indians parlay. Plus 125, I'll give you a second here to uh, to put it in. <laughs> We talked about Jake Arrieta uh, being our uh, DraftKings pitcher. Then, oh, yeah, we got to throw out, uh, we'll throw you some CFL stuff here. We uh, our DraftKings uh, pitcher. Yeah, I think the Philadelphia Phillies, right? These guys are the real deal. It's funny because it feels like a hell of a long time ago that people were talking about Gabe Kapler being a big clown. 
So uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are minus 170 with Arietta. We talked about it. Arietta's gone 14 innings, 11 strikeouts in his last uh, two starts. I think he shuts down a, a San Diego lineup, as we mentioned, that's just two for 27 current Padres against Arietta. Give me the Philadelphia Phillies, minus 170 here this evening. Toronto Blue Jays are minus 155. And what's the guy's name? Gavilio? Um, you know, this kid actually... Oh, there is. The Jays have all these Italian kids, man. Like so, yeah, the Jays. Uh, this kid's not bad, actually. This pitcher, you know, and he's really good at home. He's very, very good at the Rogers Center as well. You, you got to believe that team morale on the Baltimore Orioles can't be very good right now. All right, after man, you know, they're already terrible, and they just lost Manny Machado. And one thing I can tell you, and I don't even need to look anything up or the data or anything like that, but I always tell you guys this every time these teams play. They're division rivals. They play all the time is that uh, the Blue Jays always beat the Baltimore Orioles, man. I swear to God. Like, they've they've won, like, you know, if you look at over the last, like, 100 times that these teams have played, the Blue Jays have probably won, like, 70 of them. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. Like, the Blue Jays own the Baltimore Orioles for some reason. And, I, you know, I'd be shocked if the, if the Jays don't win this series if you're a series better. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Jays swept them. The Jays are also a streaky team. Like, the Jays aren't great, but they're capable of sweeping bad teams at home. Uh, the Jays, uh, I like the Jays here at minus 155. Give me Eovaldi tonight against Straley, minus 170. So our baseball picks, the L.A. Dodgers, the Red Sox-Indians parlay, plus 125. The Philadelphia Phillies, minus 170. Toronto Blue Jays, minus 155. The uh, Tampa Rays, no longer the Devil Rays, 170. And as far as the CFL is concerned, man, I hate laying points. And it didn't work for us last night. But I do think the Red Blacks are going to win this game. Give me the Red Blacks minus six and a half. Give me the Red Blacks um, tease to the over, seven-point teaser to the over. And give me the first half under. Right? Like, we're going to try to middle this thing, and it's possible that we win all, all of them as well. And as far as the CFL is concerned, last night the game went over and the first half went under. The last five CFL games have gone under in the first half. Eight of the last ten CFL games have gone under in the first half. And uh, 65% of the games in the CFL on the season have gone under in the first half. So there's our place of the day. Dodgers, Red Sox, Indians, Barley, Phillies. Blue Jays, Rays, Red Blacks, minus six and a half. Red Blacks over seven point teaser. First half under 26 and a half. Thanks to JP on the other side of the glass. Scout Radio coming up next. <laughs> 